I'm going to be speaking about worship, uh, the title of which you probably saw in the app or the website, if you're there, is called Worship That Makes a Difference. And before I begin, how many of you have, you know, after service, maybe you're in a restaurant and the, the topic comes up uh, that you were in church in the morning, and they say, oh, that's great. Hey, what was the message about? God? Okay, good, good. Well, I mean, the songs, I mean, they were great. They are great, great songs. Oh, what songs did you sing? Well, they had a good beat. <laughs> kind of reminds me of watching American Bandstand as a kid. I mean, remember, you know, Dick Clark would go to someone and say, uh, so what did you think about that new song? It has a good beat, and you can dance to it. Boy, I'm... Am I the only one? <laughs> no, but seriously, our, our, our worship team here has, you know, they keep a good beat. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, we are, we are so blessed. Uh, most of you in this room have, have heard this many times before, that uh, worship is more than just a Sunday experience. Worship is an everyday experience. It's a day in, it's a day out, it's every day of the week. Worship is a lifestyle experience. So, back to my opening question. I'm going to help you out. So, when someone asks you, hey, what was the message about? Okay, you ready? You can say, worship is a lifestyle. Let's all practice it. Worship is a lifestyle. Okay, and two, okay, two things. Our lifestyle affects our relationships with God and with others. Our lifestyle affects our relationship with God and with others. So this is how God wants us to live. Our worship is how we live. It's how we magnify God. It's how we live our lives. And I'd like to read a passage of scripture from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And this is from the message translation because I believe that Peterson really captures what I'm trying to say. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into its mold without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Boy, isn't that rich? There's a lot packed into those two verses. But one of the things I want to bring out is that when he's talking about how we live, the day-to-day, -day, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, your day-to-day -day life, that is your worship, all right? And that is an offering to God. In other words, how we live our lives has to be unto God and not just ourselves. Even the mundane humdrum, it's all to God. He is everywhere. He sees everything. And so we shouldn't be surprised that as we go through our daily lives, that worship should be a part of it. The other thing is that God wants to change us from the inside out. Why? Because people around us only see the outside. 
All right? Only God knows what we're thinking. Only God knows our heart. But people see what's on the outside. And we'll get to it in a minute, but it's very important that what people see on the outside reflects Christ in the inside. So in order for us to affect our relationships with others, we need to have a good and right relationship with God. And that relationship stems from our lifestyle of worship. Okay, pop quiz. Look at all these blank stares. <laughs> Sorry to bring up childhood trauma. But seriously, two simple questions, okay? Do you want a good relationship with God? Raise your hand if you want a good relationship with God. All right, all right. I was kind of hoping for unanimous there, but uh, it's good. <laughs> um, do you want a good relationship with other people? All right, excellent. A good relationship with your spouse? A good relationship with your children? With your neighbors? With your coworkers? Yeah, hands everywhere, all up. Well, remember the title of my message is Worship That Makes a Difference. And since worship is a lifestyle, in other words, how you live your life before God and others, and since your lifestyle affects your relationship with others, then if you want all of these improvements in your relationships with your wife and your children and your coworkers and everyone, then something needs to change. Something needs to change to make a positive difference in those relationships. In short, how will, you how will your worship improve your relationships with God and others? You see, if we want worship to make a difference in our lives, then we may need to make a difference in our worship. Let me say that again. If we want worship to make a difference in our lives, then we need to make a difference in our worship. In other words, there needs to be a, a difference in how we live our lives. See, worship isn't some ambiguous conceptual idea without any real definition, okay? True worship comes from the word, and you see it in your notes there, and we'll try to pronounce it, but it's Old English, worship, and it means worthiness. Worship means worthiness. It's ascribing worth. As a verb, worship is an action, okay? It necessitates a worshiper and an object of their worship, Okay? To worship is an action. Okay? I, as a worshiper, are worshiping God. But make no mistake, because throughout human history, every person, no matter how primitive or how affluent they are, has worshipped something. I mean, everyone worships something. Whether, you know, the sun and the moon and the stars, or trees, or animals, or plants on the earth, things above the earth, you know... People are going to worship something. And as a noun, worship is a response. So the action of worshiping something or someone is self-evident. But worship as a noun is a response. And I want you to look at what Jesus said. He said, I didn't choose, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Jesus said that. I didn't, you didn't choose me, I chose you. See, God first loved us. When God says, I love you, the best we can do is say, I love you too. We can never initiate that because before we were born, God loved us. He died for us on the cross. 
So worship is a response. It's a response to that love that sent Christ to the cross to die for our sins. But God did more than just grant us the capacity to worship. Okay, and this is a trait unique to humans. Animals don't do that. But not only the capacity to worship, God created us to worship. Because we're meant to do that. Because unlike plants and animals, we're created in God's likeness and image. So more than the fact that God created us to worship, we were created to worship God. And God alone. God, our creator. Listen to this quote from Ron Owens. Worship is the occupation of the created with the creator himself. Isn't that rich? Worship is the occupation. It's what we do. You know, so many people, when, when they ask who you are, or excuse me, when they ask what you do, they're really asking who you are. So many of us have our identity in what we do. Well, it should be no different with worship. If our identity is worshiping God, if our occupation is as the created, worshiping the creator, then that's saying who we are. I'm going to look at uh, five little points here that helps encapsulate how worship makes a difference in our lives. And the first has to do with focus. Letter A, worship that makes a difference has a focus. And this talks about whom we worship. Because we have that capacity to worship, our worship can be misplaced. I mean, we're only human, right? Though fewer people in modern times pray to, you know, gods, small g, and statues and, and things like that than their ancestors, uh, a great number of people today worship entertainers, athletes, rock stars, even politicians. You know, it's one thing to respect and admire someone, okay? That, and that's good. But to worship someone, eh, that belongs to God and God alone. Of course, when I say worship, I mean true worship. Because true worship belongs to God. And true worship can only come from a true worshiper. Well, what's a true worshiper? I'm glad you asked. Because that's what God is seeking. That's, that's what he wants. And so letter B is worship that makes a difference has an understanding. Okay, we need to understand what worship is. All right, we got the who, now the what, now the how. How do we worship? How do we worship? Well, Jesus describes it best. When Jesus confronted a Sumerian woman at the well, he told her, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so your fill-ins are true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said in spirit and in truth? Let's, let's look at that first phrase, in spirit. Now, note it doesn't say the spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's, it's in spirit. He's talking about our human spirit. We are spiritual beings. Remember when I said we're created in the likeness and image of God? We're, we're God imagers. Okay, We're imagers of God. 
And so we're spiritual beings. So when Jesus says in spirit, he's talking about as a true worshiper, it's true devotion, true worship in us. We're, we're, not, we're not fooling anyone. We're not fooling God. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes, so to speak. All right? It, it can't be half-hearted. It's got to be wholeheartedly. It's from our innermost beings pouring out to God. It's not casually, you know, like it's no big deal. You know, worship is a big deal. It's, it's the utmost reverence with fear and trembling before an awesome God. You know, we've kind of lost sight of these, of these adjectives. You know, now we think, you know, oh, this is an awesome cheeseburger. You know, God is so much more awesome than a cheeseburger. We, we need to kind of elevate our adjectives to God and not diminish them to, you know, that was an awesome book. Well, I know one book that's awesome. <laughs> so true worship is to God alone. Let's look at the second phrase, in truth. Now, in truth means with genuineness. It's not pretending to be someone or something that we're not. Okay, we might get away with that with some other people, but not with God. It means recognizing our dependence upon God and not showing prejudice or partiality toward anyone else who are also made in God's image. You know, if, if we have prejudice towards somebody else, then we're diminishing them below the image of God. And that's impossible because God shows no partiality to us. Each and every one of us are an image, are an imager of God. So if you look down upon someone because of the way they look, um, the way they behave, it could be, you know, whatever it may be, just that they're different than you. That's, that's putting them below the image of God that they inherited by God's creation. So we need to make sure that we give honor to everyone around us. But now let's take a closer look at the phrase, in truth. Not just genuineness, but also to have a proper perspective and understanding of who God is. And I think we have a real problem with that today because we're so prone to, instead of recognize that we're made in God's image, we like to make God in our image. You know, well, that's not a sin. You know, that's not, that's not so bad. And if I don't think it's so bad, then God, you must not think it's so bad. Um, hey, now this is good. You know, it's you know, this, this is good. If I think it's good, God, you should think it's good. It doesn't work that way. That's completely backwards and opposite. All right? God is truth. And when it says we need to worship him in truth, we need to worship him as he is. And how do we know who God is? How do we know what God is like? God has revealed himself in his written word, the Bible. So if our worship is going to make a difference, if we're going to be true worshipers, well, guess what? We ought to know our Bibles, right? We ought to know our Bibles. You've heard of the Ten Commandments, right? All right. I know it's early. The first of which is, you must not have any other God but me. Okay? That's tantamount, number one. The second commandment is found in verses 4 and 5 of Exodus 20. And it expounds a little bit more than just a small phrase. Let me read it for you. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind 
or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Low G. Now you may think, all right, I'm good. I haven't carved any images out of wood and worshipped them. So, you know, because that'd be idolatry and, you know, I haven't done that. Well, remember that we are made in the image of God. Let that sink in. We are the image of God. If we fail to project a correct image of God, the way God is revealed in the Bible, then we're guilty of creating a false image of God and breaking the second commandment. I haven't thought of that that way. See, if we're made the image of God, we ought to act, behave, speak, talk, walk, worship, live our lives according to the way God has revealed himself in the Bible. To not do that is to create a false image of idolatry to everyone around us. Because when they see us, and they can only see the outside, they can only determine, they can only judge that what they see on the outside reflects what's in the inside. And if we're a Christian and we do this, that, and the other thing that God doesn't say is what we ought to be doing as a Christian, one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to get a false image of us and think, oh, so that's what a Christian is. All right, that's not so bad. I can handle that. Or they're going to be confused and say, well, if that's a Christian, I don't want any part of that. Both are tragic. See, instead of living like we're made in God's image, we want to make God into our image and just have him be our, you know, good old buddy, old pal, you know. I'll, uh, you know, slip you a Bible verse and give me what I want. And, you know, if I'm offended, then, you know, God, you ought to be offended by this too. And that's not worshiping in spirit and in truth. So ask yourself, how will your lifestyle change to improve your relationship with God and others? Well, I think we ought to start with reading our Bible daily. Don't you agree? I mean, it all comes down to who God is. And if we have a right understanding of who God is, and we're only going to get that right understanding from reading our Bible, then we need to read our Bible daily. Daily. Did I say daily? Now, talk about lifestyle. That would be a pretty radical lifestyle for some of us, to read our Bible daily. I mean, it'd be like, where is it, where is it, where is it, where is it? Ah, <laughs> okay, day one. I could do this. I can do this. You can do this. All right? Read your Bible daily. Know who God is. Let her see. I got to hurry. <laughs> worship that makes a difference has a purpose. Why we worship. Okay? We have the who, we have the what, now the why. Why we worship. Well, it's pretty easy, okay? Very simply, we worship God because he is worthy. Psalm 96.4, Great is the Lord, he is most worthy of praise. 
not just worthy of praise, most worthy of praise. Guess what? There is no room for anything to be praised above God. There is nothing and no one more worthy than God. He is not only worthy of praise, he is most worthy of praise. So when God says in the first commandment, you shall have no other God before me, it's also you will have no other God beside me. In other words, God's not going to share his praise and the worship that belongs to him with anything or anyone else. I worship you, God, um, but uh, scoot over, make, make some room for... No, it doesn't work that way. All right, God is most worthy to be praised. So one of the things we can do this is in our prayer life. All right, we need to worship God daily in prayer. We need to know who he is by reading our Bible daily, and we need to talk to God with God that's called prayer daily. Yeah, daily. All right? It could be a huge lifestyle change. Many of us maybe not pray daily, or we pray when, you know, oh, I'm running on fumes. I hope I can get to the gas station in time before I don't want to run out of gas. Please, Lord. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay? Daily. But moreover, God's purpose for our lives isn't just to bless us. You know, we tend to think that everything we do is, you know, kind of for us, for our comfort, for our joy, for our relaxation, for our entertainment. And we, you know, we don't think of God first. It's sort of as an afterthought. And worship that makes a difference needs to kind of flip that on its end and make that different lifestyle a different way of thinking. And if you haven't heard Pastor's message uh, from last week about, you know, thinking differently is difficult, I'm not going to preach his message, but it's on the uh, app and it's on the website and you need to listen to that, okay? So I'm just dovetailing off of, off of that, that living different means thinking different. Now, one of the things we do every day is we get dressed in the morning. Before we leave the house, before we go anywhere, it's something that we always do. And when you think about, well, gosh, you know, I, I really should read the Bible daily, but I, I forget. Yeah, I should really pray daily, you know, first thing in the morning, you know, before I leave, I really should thank God, you know, for who he is, you know, ask him, Lord, if there's anything um, that I've done wrong, just, you know, let me know, let me say I'm sorry, forgive me of my sins. Lord, if there's any, anything you want from me, you know, if, if there's someone that you bring to my path that, that you want me to share, share your word, or even just invite them to church, you know, I make myself available to you, you know. These are things that we ought to do daily, but yet we get in the habit of forgetting them. How many of us have ever forgotten to get dressed before we left the house? That's the unanimity I want to see. <laughs> Unanimous. No hands up. Good. Well, if we can always remember something as mundane as always getting dressed in the morning... Can we not remember something that is, we'll just say, elevated from the mundane, such as reading a few verses, a few words of prayer, putting God first? And if you have trouble remembering, maybe as you're getting dressed, pray. You know, that's a start. 
I mean, it may not be the, you know, the most reverent position of, of prayer, but that's okay. You know, start somewhere. Start somewhere. Let that be a reminder that, you know, I'm putting these clothes on. Isaiah 61.3 mentions that God offers a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So put on your garment of praise in the morning. Put on your garment of praise. Let God in. That should be your reminder to say we're going to start the day with God. Now, the last thing in this letter C section of the purpose and, and the why we worship, again, has more to, has, doesn't, um, is not just about us. Okay, it has more to do with other people as well. Remember I said we're judged by our outward appearance. Only God knows our heart. But that can't be a cop-out. In other words, you can't say, well, just because God knows what's on the inside, you know, why should I care about what other people think of what they see on the outside? You know, I mean, I can't control what they think about me. I don't, you know, God knows, you know, he saw me in church last year. You know, just God knows. So well, what if people see me drunk sometimes? God knows I wouldn't be drunk, you know, in church. You know, I'm always sober in church. Well, what if people hear me cuss and use profanity? You know, I don't cuss around my Christian friends. What if people observe me, you know, flirting at the office with people who weren't my spouse? I mean, God knows I wouldn't actually have an affair. And what if people read my social posts and, you know, and I put people down and call people names because they disagree with me? Well, you know, I'm, God knows I don't hate everyone. You know, I... Most folks, I get along quite fine. Well, what if I do this or that or the other thing? God knows my heart. God knows. Yeah, God knows. Right, God knows. He knows how your behavior impacts the hearts and minds of those who are looking at you. And people are looking at you. And not for the reasons you might think. They're observing how you live. They're observing your lifestyle, and they are observing your worship. And if our worship as an imager of God is not according to God's revealed nature in the Bible, not only are we in an idolatry, but we are leading others astray because they're looking at a false image of God. So yes, it does matter. Think if you wore red, white, and blue in another country, and everyone who observed you, you know, says, well, that's how all Americans are, because this person is dressed in red, white, and blue, and stars and stripes, and so keep an eye on that person, because everything they do, and everything they say, and what they do, and what they act, and, you know, that's how all Americans are. Well, would I mean, that's not going to happen, but let's just say it did. Would you care? Would it affect how you spoke and treated to others? How you treated others? Well, when you're a Christian, the Bible says we put on Christ so that everyone around us should recognize Christ in you, the hope of glory. We put on Christ so we are imagers on the outside of who Christ is so that when they see us, they see, as the Bible says, Christ in us the hope of glory. People need hope. And it should be just as easily identified as if we were wearing a t-shirt with a famous logo 
that identifies its brand name. People are watching. Kind of my mind just went to the 80s. Somebody feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> yeah, it's not just sometimes. People are watching you. All right, letter D. Back to my notes. What time is it? Oh, boy. All right, worship that makes a difference has a location. All right? It's where we worship. Now, obviously, we can worship God anywhere, right? Worship God in our car. We can worship God in our bed. Um, you know, yeah, I'm worshiping you, Lord. It's probably not what God has in mind. Sure, he's omnipresent, but I want you to consider why choosing to worship God here in church is so important. Number one, the gathering of God's people to worship him was never man's idea. It was God's idea. Okay, we don't come together just because it's nice thing to do. You know, it was God's idea, and, and it says so right here. Let's look at Exodus 25, 2, 8, and 22. Um, From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. Here's the thing. God wants us to gather together to worship him. And some of the things he mentions are so that we can give with a willing heart. Because when we give, we receive. That's not manipulation. I mean, if you plant a seed and you water it, you're not manipulating that seed and forcing it to sprout because it doesn't want to and you're forcing it to. No, that's just that's the way it works in nature. God created natural events and, you know, and, and cause and effects. And so when we give, it's, it's God's natural order that we receive. And where will we give? This is a great place for us to be able to give so that God can take those finances and give them the people in need. Make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. God isn't confined in this place, but yet he has designated a place for us to worship together. And here's something else to think about. Attending church is not like going to a movie. When I go to a movie, that's not often, but when I go to a movie, I'm, I'm there for me. I'm there to be entertained. I'm there to, you know, kind of, you know, check out and enjoy the special effects and the sound effects and everything. But it's for me. If, when I went to school, you know, it was for an education, you know, going to a sporting event for entertainment. But when we come to church, it's not for us. It's for God. Yes, we receive, but that's a byproduct. That's, that's not what we came here to do. We came here to worship God. And because our hearts are here to worship God, we then receive from him. We receive, we receive from him in the teaching of his word so that we can live godly lives. But we come here to worship. That's why this is called a worship service. The second thing is, well, let me just read it. Luke 4, 16. So Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As was his custom. Hey, if regular church attendance was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. 
And here's another thing. You are a witness to others when you go to church. Your neighbors see you go to church regularly. That is a witness to them. Say, maybe there's something to that place. I mean, they certainly go every week. Hey, why don't you come with me? Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, you seem to go every week. Maybe I will check it out. Coming to church enables us to serve one another in ministry. You can't do that watching it, watching our service online. Now, it's a good thing, and if you can't come to church, it's a great thing. But there is something about being able to serve one another in church. And the other thing is inviting others to come to church with you. Yes, you can share our live stream, and hopefully they'll watch online with you. Um, but there's something about being with other people because we're not created to be hermits. We're, we're created to be in community. And if you can invite someone to come to church, then they can see other people that they're not so alone. You know, we're looking at our devices so much that you can be one of 5,000 people watching something and still be alone. There's no one with you. Oh, but there's 5,000 people. Yeah, but it's not the same thing. There may be 100 people in the sanctuary. I don't feel alone. But you can watch a device among thousands and still feel alone. People are lonely. People are isolated. People need community. How can you invite someone to participate in that community if you're not part of that community yourself? And the last one, letter E. Worship that makes a difference has a time. Okay, this is when we worship. We have the who, what, when, how, why. This is the when. Now, like with where we worship, okay, obviously we can worship God anywhere, anytime. But the point I'd like to make hasn't to do with a time on a clock, but rather during times, that is, circumstances in life. I mean, think of Paul. If anyone had hardships while sharing the gospel, I mean, you know, read, read his second letter to the Corinthians. But what did he say? Philippians 4, 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Always. When? Always. Right. And guess what? Paul wrote these words to encourage us while he was in prison awaiting execution. Talk about being able to worship God in good times and in bad. Here's another prime example. King David. He's confronted by the prophet Nathan for his sin of adultery and murder. And as a consequence, God tells him that his son will die. David pleads with God for six days and, you know, to spare his son, but on the seventh day his son dies. And what does David do? Does he lash out in anger? Does he rebel against God, post mean tweets, go out and drown his sorrows in a bottle of liquor? No. None of that. Look at 2 Samuel 12, 20. David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. What did he do? He worshipped. And we can read about David's lifestyle of worship and the attitude of his heart in, in Psalm 51. It's where, it's where he says, you know, God, to you and to you alone have I sinned. 
He understood that God was look, looking for true worshipers. And he understood what a true worshiper was. And that's why despite all of David's failures, and there were many and some colossal, God still refers to him as a man after his own heart. He wasn't a man after God's own heart because of what he did. It was his attitude of worship, his lifestyle of worship, his focus upon God. And finally, let's look at Job. Now, we meet Job right in the opening verses of his book. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Go, Job. I mean, here's a man who worshiped God to such a degree that Satan comes before God and asks that he may test Job to prove that he would no longer worship God if he could take away all of his wealth and many blessings. Well, you know the story. And after Job learns that all of his children and servants and even all of his animals are all gone, his response is to worship. Worship. If you don't believe me, it's, it's right here. Job 1, 20 to 21. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. And as you read the book of Job, you come to find out that the more Job understood who God was, the humbler he became. So ask yourself, do you worship God only in the good times? Just when things are going your way? Or is your worship, your lifestyle, dependent upon your emotions? I'm feeling up. Praise God, it's a good day. I'm feeling down. Woe is me. Put ashes on my head and sit in the corner. Does how I live my life before God and others rely more upon how I feel or more upon who God is? Because that's coming back full circle where it starts. And that is knowing who God is. So when you leave, a couple things for growth work. I didn't have time to include them in the, in the handout. But number one, first and foremost, is read your Bible daily. And make a special effort as you read to know who God is. Because like it or not, you are an imager of God. And like it or not, people are watching you. And like it or not, you have influence. God gave you influence so that you can influence others for his glory. So know who he is so that you can act accordingly, so that you can walk your life accordingly, and so you can worship as a lifestyle 
accordingly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, it is uh, sobering to think that, that so much of someone else's relationship with you could, could possibly hinge upon their observance of, of my lifestyle. But Lord, none of us are an island. And Lord, all of us have some measure of influence. Lord, you have given each of us those levels of influence. You've given us those unique talents, abilities. Lord, each of us have a, an amount of treasure, an amount of time, a purpose from you. Lord, may we not squander that so that in our lives, through our lives, our very lifestyle, our waking up and our humdrum, as well as our super cool times, Lord, that they would all be reflected as a true imager and as a true worshiper because those are whom you are seeking. May you find us acceptable as your imagers and as a true worshiper of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Enjoy your holiday weekend. And when someone asks you, hey, did you go to church? You can say, yeah, worship is a lifestyle. And how I live my life affects my relationship with God and with others. Go in peace. Thank you for joining us today for Woodland Church on our YouTube channel. I hope you'll take a moment and click that subscribe button and also click the notifications bell so that you'll know when new things are posted. We're always putting new material up so that you can be a part of everything that's going on. We want to share those with you and we hope that they will encourage you and strengthen you in your faith as you watch. You can also find out more about Woodland Church by going to our website at woodland.church. You can find out all about us and also upcoming events. Again, thank you for joining us today.